Hello, Space Cowboys, and welcome to New Moon Village, a podcast for emerging energetic beings. Hi, I'm Madeline Roth, your host and Aquarius Rising Alien Pioneer, leading you on this journey towards clarity, communication, and connection. Let's break through to the fifth dimension and see the view from divine space. Welcome to our first episode. I'm so excited to launch New Moon Village, and I'm glad to have you along for the ride. It's been quite the journey to launch the pod. I got the idea to start a podcast years ago, but was never in the right place mentally or with work, raising my puppy dog, Nico, who you'll probably hear at some point during this podcast, surviving the ongoing pandemic, which is definitely still ongoing. And I am going to Taylor Swift, but I'm going to be wearing my N95 mask to Taylor Swift in red (laughs) Um, and balancing my family responsibilities to really start a good podcast until now. Here we are and we are leaving Sky Tours behind. I'm happy to be part of a wave of women and non-binary folks launching podcasts recently. It's really exciting to see and I'm really glad to be starting my podcast at this time. This has been in the works for years. I got way ahead of myself and bought a Yeti Blue microphone to podcast with probably six years ago. I used it throughout the pandemic for Zoom calls and record a couple of affirmation tracks that you can probably still find somewhere on the internet. <laughs> um, but my guided meditations and affirmations are my thing. If you like that, well, great news. I have more coming up for you. Um, just hold on till Tuesday and I'll have a new episode out with a little sneak peek into what I'm offering and availability on my website, newmoonvillage.com. So stay tuned for Tuesday and find out this next drop from the mothership. Today's episode title is From Fear to Fearless. I get it. It's a big title. Whoop. And it comes with a big trigger warning that if you're the kind of person who heeds trigger warnings for the big five, you should probably check out my Tuesday mini pod as your introduction to New Moon Village. As you may suspect, I've had a little caveat here for the need for fear. I have lived my life and know the dangers of this world firsthand. Fear is necessary. There are legitimate threats in the world, and I'm going to talk about some of them. The germination for this podcast came from me being in a place of real fear. After struggling to remain open for almost a year, the Creative Reuse Center, where I worked as a social media maven, shut down recently. A Creative Reuse Center is basically a recycling thrift store reselling all sorts of art supplies and building materials. The idea is to save all those beautiful bits of scrap of paper, confetti, half-used tubes of paint from the landfill and send them back to the community at a discounted price. It's a great idea, but there were a lot of not great practices happening behind the scenes, and I am frankly scarred from my last few months working there and what was being asked of me in a role that was fundamentally unsupportable and unsustainable. It led me really thinking if I ever want to work at a nonprofit again, if I ever want to work for a boss again, if I ever want to be a boss again. Well, I may do that. <laughs> I'm a pretty bossy person. Um, if I should retreat to a hut somewhere in Malta and write poetry, paint, and sing all day, you'll know why. I'm a do-gooder, if you couldn't tell from the t- title of this podcast, but I think there are more ways to help in the world than working at a nonprofit, especially a nonprofit that doesn't support the well-being of their staff. I was filled with such relief when I quit. Fear over how to manage my finances, yes, but ultimately a relief that I never have to wrangle a content out of a pile of fabric scraps ever again. There comes a point when fear of remaining in the same situation outweighs the fear of the unknown. I took the leap and quit a month before they closed. I didn't know they were going to close at the time I quit, but felt its approach. Once I quit denying my needs, the decision was clear. I felt immediate relief without the daily pressure to save a dying business when Facebook posts at a time. 
Still, I was left with a fridge consisting of eggs, creamer, and half a bag of three cheese blend, and a bank account steadily going down by the day. A dear one funded a Trader Joe's haul and a tank of gas to get me through the first two weeks of being unemployed. This was an incredible gift, and having gas and healthy food got me through a time when I was too emotionally drained from a year of work in a challenging environment to look for jobs or interview. I was able to sit and gather my thoughts and come back to myself after being so exhausted during a vulnerable time in my life. It was April 2022 when I started at the nonprofit. I had come to them seeking employment after a fork in my road. Some things were decided for me. I took the job making videos of plastic scrap royalty with eyes made of I speak English buttons in Korean and Hebrew, a you can do it jumbo pen for a nose, a pink plastic circle for a mouth, and a neon yellow visor for a bis- from a bicycle helmet for a crown. I posted the reel to Instagram with a repro- I posted the reel to Instagram with an approved remix of Dancing Queen. This felt like a miracle to get a bop out of Instagram's limited sound selection for nonprofits trying to go viral via Reels technology. It was quite the debacle. I didn't have an enemy to negotiate the launch of a TikTok and try my hand at a bit wider, wider of a palette. Ultimately, things have worked out for me. I'm doing okay, and now I'm talking to you. I would not be here doing the podcast thing, processing my work trauma, letting you know I was freaking terrified when I quit, if I did not simultaneously take seriously the need to not let my fear dictate my actions while responding appropriately to fear. There were a lot of things that were out of my control. This increased my fear while decreasing any benefit fear was going to give me. There was the fear that came with staying and the fear that came with leaving. Ultimately, it was an unchoice choice. By having to consider both options, fear taught me. It was another test of my intuition and confidence in myself. There have been times when my gut told me that something was not quite right, knowledge that kept me out of real danger. Like the time I made out with a random guy on the beach and he wanted me to get in his van. I was traveling alone and feeling reckless. I enjoyed kissing him and flirting, but didn't want to go back to his place together, even if it was in Brentwood. I was not that reckless. Maybe nothing would have happened except a good time, but I'm glad I trusted my gut and stayed out of that car. There have been other times when I got scammed by someone I never should have trusted. I should have listened to my gut. It was a classic scam and I should have seen all the warning signs. I should have seen how them not wanting me to call them and confirm what was happening, being angry at me, angry over things that were crazy to be angry over, and that should not have been cause for anger in any situation that I also should have picked up on. You, every Space Cowboys, once I figured it out, I felt so stupid and like I was the easiest mark in the world. So this is not to say anything about ignoring your fear. I realize now that my fear was punching and screaming at me to listen. This just made me push back harder, to silence it harder. I became overwhelmed and I got taken for a ride as a result. Years ago on a podcast, I listened to an interview with Gavin DeBecker on his book, The Gift of Fear. As you may have suspected, I've never read it, but they get a lot out of the podcast. He talks about responding to the clues your intuition sends you. People show you who they are. He talked about the scripts and scenarios they tell you before they manipulate you and scam you. One thing I will never forget is a quote from the book. He sums up the central truth about fear by saying, at core, men are afraid women will laugh at them, while at core, women are afraid men will kill them. Whoa. It puts the stakes for fear for men versus the stakes for fear for women in sharp contrast. The First Amendment, or the second, as it were, a woman's fear of being killed is real and a credible threat. I know this fear shapes how I go out into the world. 
I am five foot ten and a solid lady, so I think my operating level of fear when I'm out in the world is less than if I were just over five feet tall and weighed a hundred pounds soaking wet. I can tell you from firsthand that being big and tall doesn't stop you from being a target, but it does help in making a bad situation, not an utter catastrophe. So what do we do with this? How do we have a healthy relationship with fear when the consequences of not being afraid can mean being scammed, attacked, or even killed? It is a valid response and has wisdom to teach us, but it's not the only information we need when we're deciding how to react. So what do we do with this? How do we have a healthy relationship to fear when the consequence of not being afraid can mean being scammed, attacked, or even killed? It is a valid response and has wisdom to teach us, but it is not the only information we need when deciding how to react. Unhealthy fear can chain us to negative outcomes. When I have a less than ideal experience with men, like the beach man guy, I can get sucked into the thought patterns of fear about relationships or the world that makes me feel like everyone and everything is inherently evil. This keeps me trapped in fear with everyone getting being out to get me, which counterintuitively makes me more vulnerable to being hurt because instead of looking for clues and indicators someone is a legitimate threat, I see false positives everywhere, scattering my attention and energy. Confirmation bias at its finest. This prevents positive interactions when I can open up and become welcome in healthy relationships and keeps me changed chained to harm is a prison of my own making. When we finally turn our back on unhealthy fear, step out of the chains of control it has over us, the lesson is profound. We can clear our eyes and see the situation for what it is. Maybe I could have gotten dinner with Beach Man, learned his middle name, and had a wonderful evening. It sounds like the beginning to a romance novel, passionate makeout session on the beach leading to an eternal flame of love and desire. Or okay, just a good meal and someone to talk to for an evening. I could have really used a conversation with a real person that night, in addition to a beach sunset makeout. <laughs> we can recognize what is harmful, what is helpful, and what is neutral. For years, I lived in a constant state of anxiety and fear. I was fearful about other people. I was fearful for my future. I was fearful about things that happened a long time ago happening again. I had a constant state of low-level anxiety present around me all the time. To quote Tara Brock in Radical Acceptance, when we are afraid, we can practice compassion for ourselves. This has been my biggest and hardest lesson, to sit with myself and accept myself. The hours of meditation I have put into the lesson of self-compassion, saying with a hand on the heart, I care about the suffering. May I be free of the suffering. This mantra has helped me release fear, anger, pain, illness. It has helped me see in technicolor. Letting go of fear has done wonders for my creative side. The years of being afraid of making a mistake or playing the wrong thing or upsetting people with my music prevented me from expressing myself. I was afraid of negative feedback and being told to stop. Eventually, I need to create and express myself in a way untethered from words overwhelmed my desire to stay small and avoid what I could know what I longed to do. Eventually, I needed to create and express myself untethered from words overwhelmed my desire to stay small. I stopped avoiding what I longed to do. I sat down at the keyboard and just let it flow. I played in G major, which is one of the most affirming keys known to man. Still, I have only shared a couple of songs online. Hopefully sharing music as part of this podcast helps me continue to conquer my fears surrounding making music and sharing my music. I have managed my fears around engaging in creativity by having compassion for the part of myself that wants to be perfect. Reminding myself I am a beginner and just figuring out what I want to say and make and do helps me to figure things out on the fly, keeps me leaning into what I want to make. I remember my piano recitals and the nerves and expectations of performing for others. 
There was one song called Pagodas I really loved to play. It was like the name sounds and a nice handoff from lower notes to higher notes and just a gentle song. I learned to play it towards the end of my piano lesson days. <laughs> I love piano, just not practicing. Mostly because I hate being corrected when I get notes wrong. I attribute most of what I can do to just learning skills and arpeggios and being able to build songs out of those blocks. As I listen to my music, I can hear the pauses as I get the fingering just right before hitting those chunky chords. I get stuck in sounds with a musical muscle memory of how to tap keys to reproduce a specific song and able to clear the slate entirely and form alien art form beats. My former piano teacher once noted her hope for all her students was to take an enjoyment of playing with them wherever their lessons may lead. A large part of me learning to enjoy piano is learning to be confident in myself and what I can do and maintaining that confidence in the face of anyone or anything that would tell me otherwise. I know from my musical education, my teachers instilled in me a fear of messing up, a fear of disappointing, a fear of wasting people's time, a fear of sitting against God with a bad or even mediocre performance. Being dangled over this pit with the fear of perfection, with some ineffable wrong more exacting than the harshest correct, left me exhausted and unable to continue. I took a step back from music for years. I was too cornered by my fear of failure to continue, even when I had nothing but incredible feedback every time I performed as a soloist or in a group. Our creative projects, they open up to a vulnerable piece of ourselves. The same place that makes us feel confident in our art to say, yes, I made this. I'm proud of what I have created out of thin air. I deserve to be recognized for my work. Can also be the place that says, yes, I made this, but forget it if you don't like it, or criticize me relentlessly, then forget about it. It is so bad I should be canceled. These fears flare up, make you feel shame so deep down, deep enough to alert the ancestors to put their hands on cave walls and outline them in ochre. This place of deep vulnerability. The creative act gets us in touch with our deepest self, the wound where the light enters, our rebel heart, our unique soul. To share creative work is a declaration of self. You can either be afraid of yourself or in awe of yourself. Maybe you have to be both at the same time. And this is where I think you need God, the divine, the big love, Buddha, Jesus, Allah, Shiva, the divine feminine. Feel awe and not go, oh shucks, or get so caught up in it you no longer know which way is up or down or side to side. Get to the perspective on the situation. And it lets you do the creative dance rather than the creative smackdown. It makes me feel like I need a little Jesus and to do a tarot spread. And maybe the best art does that best, makes us question, walks in a perfect line between fear and awe. Ultimately, it is a matter of faith in the art you create that make, to make an impact. You have no control over what people will think, feel, or say about your art. And it's not your job to care about the reactions of others. That's for the marketing team to decide. The worst decision you can make for your art is to try to make it appeal to everyone. All you have to focus on is creating, being passionate, putting it out into the world. This is the story of my friends who successfully sell their art. They put out, they make, they make what they want to make, and people find it. It's helpful to have a style. I hate calling it niching. Niching's down. Just the word in my mouth sounds so cringe. But if you are creating art that you can successfully make over the long term, or at least for however long you would be be making creative art for however long you want to consider yourself a creative person. You can work consistently enough to generate complete projects on a weekly, monthly, yearly, three to four cycle, etc. basis. You'll get to know yourself. And I believe you have to get to know yourself to discover your own style. 
We all have a style. If we choose, we can take a deep look at ourselves and at the world and see how the mirrors reflect. Let go of the fear of being seen as naive, a copy of a copy, or just plain boring. The fear that because other people have a podcast, a newsletter, a poem, an online shop selling Sailor Moon enamel pins, you won't succeed. If it excites you, pushes you, makes you think, you better believe it will do so to your audience too. Let people discover you. Of all the algorithms, Google search is your best friend and YouTube your second best bud. Kind of a trio that includes you and but always ends up a duo. The most important thing is to make a commitment, then make content. And I include myself in this. New Moon Village is an experiment in me consistently making content. A responsibility to that Yeti blue microphone I bought all those years ago. My goal is to necessitate the purchase of the massive fireproof external hard drive I need because I have so many tetrabytes of creativity on record. And to get to share all that content with you. One of the best takeaways from Elizabeth Gilbert's magic lessons is your experience of your art is the process of creating it, not its final reception. You never see your film the way the audience sees it, because you know every decision that went into making it, all the special effects, what was improvised, and what was planned. The viewer just sees the final product. Revel in the act of creation, and you will make at least one person happy. The life of your art after you've created it is beyond your control. Let it be. The thing is that I, as many starving artists of the world have been known to do, is to get caught up in the possibility of my work making it big, making a big impact on the world. The dream of a multi-platinum album, a New York Times bestseller for over 100 weeks in a row, a box office smash, my own show on HBO, or is it Max now? What would Tony Soprano say? Probably there's lots of broccoli and kale salad here with peanuts. (laughs) can be a tricky thing but the fear of failure running headlong into the fear of glimmerance of fame or even an honest amount of influence or street cred which is emotionally terrifying to me and fear of making money off my body channeling creativity to a recording device of some sort there has to be a specific name for this kind of dread that falls upon me anytime i would venture to think that i could you know run a small online shop put podcasts out into the world, write a a novel, do some tarot and oracle readings, make fun content for social media that would never fly at the nonprofit, spend at least an hour a day meditating. Like, could I? Ever? This thing, or a very similar thing, millions of people are managing to do for a living. I may just do it. I may. Okay, I think that's it for the first episode of New Moon Village. Sign up for my newsletter. First one drops next Tuesday along with the mini meditation pod. Go to newmoonvillage.com for the form. Now for a waxing crescent meditation. If you are not driving or taking care of business, I invite you to settle into a comfortable position and close your eyes. Imagine the thin sliver of waxing crescent moon and rest your fingers gently on your knees or in your lap. Notice your breath in and out. In and out. In and out. Can you see the stars winking at you? Maybe it's crow's feathers out there, and the only thing in the sky is a thin lip of moon. You know what's out there, the things dreams are made of. Release your mind's eye and come back to the breath. Breathe in. Breathe out. 
Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Recognize the wisest thought you can have is no thought at all. By focusing on only the necessary, the breath, we can teach ourselves how boundaries feel. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Don't get disappointed or annoyed if your thoughts stray. Release your grip and let the thought fade like a cloud on the breeze. Feel the breath pull you towards divine source. Breathe in. And out. Let the process of meditation transform you from pond frog to peaceful lotus. Open yourself to growth, self-acceptance, and rebirth like the growing moon. Turn the attention to the breath. You are on the brink of something big. Let luck in. And now, think about moving your fingers and toes, fluttering your big, beautiful eyes open. Thank you for spending this time together. Well, that's it. The first full episode of New Moon Village. Stay tuned for the mini episode and newsletter dropping Tuesday. Get signed up for my newsletter at newmoonvillage.com. There you will find the podcast transcript, my store, and one day, hopefully soon, workbooks and meditation downloads. Hit subscribe and leave a five-star review if you thought I was brave to share this episode. Thanks, Space Cowboys. You're out of this world. New Moon Village is a colorful dancer production. All information is provided for personal enrichment purposes only. Please consult a licensed mental health professional for support. Music is written and performed by me. Thanks for listening.